Shalom, and welcome to Christians with Torah, the Beit Tehillah Community Podcast. We believe the Torah is relevant for our lives today, God's teachings and instructions. You may very well be part of the first generation to be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, and have the Torah, a Christian with Torah. Join us as we honor the living God through the study of His Word, topical conversations, and interviews with special guests. Please welcome our hosts, Pastor Nick Plummer and Ryan Cabrera. Shalom, everybody, and welcome to Christians with Torah. That's right, Christians with Torah. Torah. This is your co-host Ryan Cabrera, and I am in Studio A with Pastor Nick Plummer. Hey, Pastor Nick. Shalom. Shalom. Change it up, you know. Yeah, we got some peace around here. I kind of say the same thing every time, like, oh, I'm glad to be here. And <laughs> so I decided to say shalom. Like 140-something episodes you know, later, right? Something you know? like that, yeah. I say the same thing every time as well, you know. Shalom, everybody, and welcome, you know, all That's that stuff. That's true. That, yeah, you, you, you don't want to change that up. No. No? No. I feel like certain things, like people enjoy it's consistency. Trademark, you know? Well, people enjoy the consistency. They're like, oh, true. yeah, here we go. This is I like consistency what too. it is, you know? All right, folks. So uh, welcome to Christians with Torah. Thanks for listening today. As always, we greatly appreciate your support and your love. If you guys want to send me an email, uh, I'll open it up for you guys to shoot me emails on whatever topics that you want to shoot me emails on. And... Uh, that could be questions, prayer requests, whatever it is, uh, anything relevant to anybody else here at Beit Tehillah or within the ministry, uh, I can get those messages to those folks. My email address is ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, ryan at twopraise.net. And um, one of the biggest things that I personally like to do is you guys get the benefit of hearing my voice Every week, week in and week out, right? I show up every week. You hear me. You Thank hear Pastor God. Nick. Third right? season. Season three, folks. That's right. So you guys get to hear us every week, but I don't get to hear from you all the time. So I want some feedback. I want to hear from you, um, whether you're in Florida or you're in Texas or you're in... And we actually share this with the congregation. Yeah, yeah. A lot of times... Hey, we, we got do. an email from Norway. Well, listen, if you don't want it shared with the congregation, you could say, hey, this is not to be shared with the congregation. But if it's just positive, good stuff that would make everybody feel good and edify them, I will definitely share that with the congregation. Because we're all we're all in this together. Because we are all in this together. And so yes. part of that is, as much as you guys like to feel connected uh, to other people within the Hebrew roots, within the, the Torah community, um, within Christianity... Um, we also want that too. And so if you guys would send me emails, um, you know, my email again is Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net. Ryan at twopraise.net. That's my preferred way of corresponding. So if you guys shoot me an email there, I will respond. As far as cool stuff coming on uh, or coming up around here uh, at Beit Tehila, um, one of the big ones is we have the Festival of Purim coming up this coming Monday. And how are we celebrating Oh, thank you so much for asking me how we're celebrating. We are celebrating by uh, acting out a play written and directed by Josiah Plummer, our very own uh, Josiah Plummer, called Esther the Musical. Now, me, I'm just I'm just a helper person. I take tickets at the door. But uh, there's a lot of people that are very talented, that are working very hard, spending long hours uh, rehearsing for this. Uh, if you haven't gotten your tickets, now we the first one is on March 8th, which is a Sunday. Unfortunately, that one is already sold out. Um, and so the we'll have a packed house for that one. Uh, the next date that you can get that is not sold out 
is March 12th, which is a Thursday evening, and that starts at... Thursday evening, 7 p.m. 7 p.m. on Thursday evening. And so uh, you're going to want to uh, make sure that you go to Eventbrite. That's E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E dot com. Just search for Esther the Musical on Eventbrite, and you can purchase your tickets there. They're only five bucks, all right? So this is not um, this is an outreach um, to the community from us, uh, just trying to give people uh, some awareness of not only you know the Bible and Yeshua and the Hebrew roots, but also the da- also also the dangers of anti-Semitism. Amen. That's uh, interesting, Ryan, because you know we didn't plan this, but you know uh, Purim is actually next next Monday night in the evening, and so Sunday night we're actually kicking off Purim, uh, Esther the musical, and then we go into Purim, and then the 14th and 15th, which is Tuesday, Wednesday, uh, Israel celebrates it as well as a continuation of a celebration. It's actually found in Esther uh, on the 13th and 14th of Adar, uh, which is the 12th month, and then of course we close out Purim with our second showing of Esther the Musical on Thursday night. So like two little bookends there. That's pretty cool. I know. It's like, wow, this is really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. So uh, all I could say is uh, if you haven't gotten tickets for the Sunday event yet, get your tickets for Thursday and come and check it out. If not, we might even be filming it. Um, And if we do that, you know, maybe there'll be some way to to get that after the fact. So, um, all right. We are studying the Torah portion Tetzaveh which is you shall command. This can be found starting in the book of Exodus in chapter 27 and verse 20 and ending in chapter 30 and verse 10. And just a quick little reminder here, uh, we have an incredible book here. The key word found in the book of Exodus is the word deliver. And it is the book of redemption. It's the book of redemption. The key word is the word deliver. Uh, A key phrase is, as the Lord instructed Moses, Moses would do. So think about it. As the Lord instructed Moses, and I would like to think that as the Lord instructs Beit we do what he wants. Uh, I love the book of Exodus. It is from groan to glory, everyone. I know some of you might be down and out right now, but listen, you're going to go from groan to glory in the book of Exodus. Chapters 1 through 18 is all about deliverance. Oh, but chapters 19 to 40 is all about worship. So as we kick off this incredible Torah portion, Tetzaveh, you shall command, which is, of course, Exodus chapter 27 and verse 20, all the way through chapter 30 and verse 10, uh, we have this tabernacle furniture that's being made. And once again, God is building the tabernacle furniture from the inside out. I've always thought about this, and I keep repeating it. Uh, Jesus said that it's not what goes into a man that defiles him but what comes out of him. Amen. So we got to get to the to the heart of the issue, to the root of the issues in our lives. Uh, so the very first piece of uh, tabernacle furniture that was made was the ark, which of course represents the uh, the seat of God or the, or the uh, you could say the throne uh, with the two cherubim, uh, the two wings and everything as a backrest. Uh, so this would actually be uh, the throne and the Holy of Holies is the throne room. Uh, then they were told to make the table of showbread, which represents a fellowship. The 12 loaves represent the tribes of unleavened bread. And then, of course, it's, it's actually uh, changed out every Shabbat. And then, of course, they had uh, the menorah made. Uh, table, tabernacle furniture number three was the menorah. So the ark, table of showbread, the menorah. And then last week, we talked about the altar of burnt offering in the outer court. Yes, 
the altar of burnt offering. And so that's where we're at in this particular portion. And uh, we're going to be looking at, in, in regards to the subject matter, servicing the menorah and the high priest's clothing. That's right. Servicing the menorah and the high priest's clothing. Uh, only pure beaten olive oil could be used for the menorah. Remember, they would service the menorah every evening and every morning. Uh, and by the way, you know, if it wasn't for the menorah, you would not have any light to give uh, to give out in the inner court because there were no windows in the tabernacle. So the menorah was to burn continually. Once again, there's seven branches. The shamash is the servant candle in the middle, three to the left, three to the right. The menorah was to burn continually. Matter of fact, that is the state symbol of Israel. It is. It's not the star of David. It's a menorah, you know, and I'd like to have a nice little menorah necklace maybe of a menorah. I see people have one. Uh, Bill Carter came back with a menorah necklace. Yeah. So the priests were to service the menorah from, of course, evening to morning. And uh, now we're going to get into the, uh, the, to the garments. Um, so, so, Ryan, what are the six garments that were made for Aaron, who, who's the high priest? Well, I thank you for asking. The six garments are the breastplate, the ephod, the robe, the broidered coat, the miter, and the girdle. Awesome. So the names of the children of Israel were to be engraved on the two onyx stones on his shoulders. Six names were to be put on each stone. So on the shoulders of. Very interesting, isn't that? Yeah. So here he has a breastplate, an ephod, a robe, a broidered coat, a miter, and a girdle. And just food for thought here, just to think about a little tidbit here uh, for those of you. uh, If you're ever the high priest, you know, he got to serve in the tabernacle anywhere he wanted. Yeah. So he could do anything he really wanted in that regard. He was kind of like the the overseer and everything. So I thought that was kind of cool. So like if he wanted to get the ash out of the oh yeah the altar, he could do that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like my job as a pastor. You know, if he wanted to put the incense, you know, he could do that. Uh, you could put toilet paper in the stalls. Oh, gotcha. Like, I see. Oh, what you're, you would do that. I see where you're going there. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> you can join me. So. What's interesting is the fact that, you know, God made 12 tribes. And that's what I love about this, these temperament tests and different things, you know. Uh, they do kind of break it up into four parts or whatever uh, as far as personalities. But, you know, not to say that we're trying to, you know, I don't know, force you into something that you're not. But there are those that are outgoing Right. Those that are not outgoing, sure, introvert, extroverts. But anyway, I only bring this up because you know it says here in Exodus twenty-eight twelve, and thou shalt put the two stones upon the shoulders of the ephod for the stones of memorial unto the children of Israel, and Aaron shall bear their names before the Lord upon his two shoulders for a memorial. Now think about that as a memorial. So what is he doing? He's carrying the weight of the people. Mm. Of all the tribes on his shoulders, literally, wow, you know, and and I and I love that, you know, uh, and and just remember this note, you know, you're engraven upon his hand, you know, you're segula, you're that jewel that God is holding in his hand. Nobody can snatch you out of his hand. He doesn't wear you like a necklace or a ring. And so, once again, uh, I, I want to bring this out because it's interesting upon the shoulders, you know, so six on the left and six on the right, and this brings to mind. Uh, the city or the biblical city of Shechem, uh, which is today the modern city of Nablus, I believe. And, and actually Shechem means on the shoulders of. So as you go into this valley, of, uh, and there's Shechem there, and by, by the way, that's where Joseph's tomb is, and that's where Jacob's well is. Uh, and you can actually see this area from, from, from Mount Gerizim, 
uh, Mount Ebal. So here's two, two mountains. Uh, one is the Mount of Blessing. One is the Mount of Cursing. And of course, Mount Ebal is not cursed. It's just where the curse would be pronounced. You know, a lot of people think there's some areas in Israel that are cursed, but they're not. Uh, all the land of Israel is blessed. So just remember that. Mount Ebal is not cursed, but that's where the curse was proclaimed uh, upon that mountain. So this is where you get, you know, uh, the angel on one shoulder and the devil on the other. Uh, you, you ever thought about that? Uh, you know? yeah, yeah. So, so that's, that's a, a little a, a play on the shoulders of. So once again, Exodus 28, 12, it was to be a memorial. And as we move on into this, actually this outerwear of, of the high priest, we have the breastplate of judgment. Uh, and of course, the breastplate was made of gold, blue, purple, scarlet, and fine twined linen. Wow. You know, you know, you talk about the Egyptian cotton, that thread count, boy. You know, you get up there in the thread count, like a thousand, boy. It's like silk. Yeah. It's like, woo. So the higher the thread count, the better the sheets. That's right. Remember that. I heard, a, you, I heard you get an what ad you pay for. about Gaza Dream sheets made out of Egyptian cotton. But Interesting. Gaza Dream. Interesting. Yeah. So here's the priest. Now he's got six, uh, you know, as a memorial, he's got on his shoulders... Uh, ephod for the stones of memorial uh, on each shoulder, representing the 12 tribes. And he's got 12 stones are found in the breastplate, which are the sardius, topaz, carbuncle, emerald, sapphire, diamond, the ligur, agate, amethyst, beryl, onyx, and jasper. Interesting. 12 stones. So, you know, the question is, you know, uh, trying to figure out which stone is which tribe. We won't get into all that. Do you go right to left and then follow down to the next line? Is that Judah? Is that this? So Well, it gives you a list in order, right? Yeah, so it's interesting to, to look at that. But I'm only bringing this up because this is very interesting. And I don't have the reference, but I know a lot of you are familiar with the description of, of Lucifer and how he was created. He was actually a cherub, right? And God created the cherubim, which are plural. The cherub is singular. So Satan is actually a cherub. Uh, but he was... I think the chief angel and everything, but uh, the interesting thing about Lucifer uh, is actually that when he was created, he only had nine stones. Right. So he was three short of a breastplate. <laughs> three stones short of an ephod? Three stones short of an ephod. So do you want to interject anything at this point? Because like I said, a lot of this stuff is mysterious, but take it literal. So this was actually an outfit. Well, and, and, and here's what's interesting. So Lucifer, um, in this example that you're giving, he's ministering before the throne of God. And what does he have on? And he's got pipes. He's got a breastplate, right? Before, right. And, as he comes to the Lord. So the same thing here. The high priest is wearing a breastplate, right? With the stones in it. And the stones are representing the 12 tribes of Israel. And so you can see the parallels that those that come before the Lord and minister before the throne, before the mercy seat of God, they're wearing specific attire. There's almost a uniform, right? And there may be some variations between right. the angelic hosts and, and the... That's layered. And the high priest. Um, and you mentioned about, you know, the um, the two, uh, or the, 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 the rocks, or the stones going along with the tribes. Well, one of the things I always found was interesting is that, you know, in birth order, I always am able to memorize the first four, right? Rumi and Simeon, Levi, Judah. And then I can, I got the last two in order. Now I know the middle six, but I always mess up the order, right? Partially because it's just all the stories, right? Talk about Reuben, Simeon, Levi, Judah, and then Joseph and Benjamin. 
But the last, the second to last stone, which would be the Joseph stone, is the onyx stone. And the onyx stones are also used on the shoulders. And so I don't really know what the correlation is there between whoever, whatever tribe, I'm assuming Joseph, but whatever tribe that is, that gets the onyx stone as their representation and why the onyx stones are used as the shoulders. But it is interesting that Joseph later on ends up saving all of Israel later on um, or in the story, right? So uh, obviously not later on, this has already happened, but we know through the story of the tribes or through the men that are named, the tribes are named after, that all of them end up being redeemed and saved by Joseph. And so that weight that you're referring to, those onyx stones, kind of matches a little bit there. And then the other one was the emerald, right? The emerald being the green. So if you ever see things that are about Judah and the tribe of Judah, you'll see this green color. I think partially that's because, you know, that's interesting. Many scholars have. And taken you know, an you know, color. like what's your birthstone? You I know? don't. I don't know. I think it's like a. I think mine's emerald. Like May, a, May is emerald. Oh, look at you! I think it is. Look at you! I'm not positive yeah. though. I'm not real big into jewelry and stuff, but but the thing is, you know, I mean, I think I had a mood ring once, <laughs> but I'm only bringing this out because there's 12 months in a year. There's 12 tribes. Even the Chinese zodiac has 12 signs. Yeah. And this is the year of the rat. You, you dirty rat. You dirty rat. You dirty rat. That's James Cagney, for those of you that, that don't remember that movie. But anyway, um, and once again, we're trying to associate ourselves with things. Right. But see, that this is where it gets to be personal, because we need to know our Lord and Savior personally. We need to know the person, Yeshua. You know, and that's why I would tell anyone, you know, people are trying to interpret the Torah. Well, you can only really interpret the Torah through the Gospels, through Jesus Christ, through the Yeshua. We're trying to figure out how to do the Torah in different situations and things. But but the bottom line is that as we continue on here in Exodus 28, 21, and the stone shall be with the names of the children of Israel, 12 according to their names, like the engravings of a signet. Everyone with his name shall they be according to the 12 tribes. I, I want you to know that even in Ephesians 2 and in Romans, he talks about grafting in, but Ephesians 2 talks about the commonwealth of Israel. Once you are far away, but Christ has brought you near. So people want to debate this all the time. Well, how could you be Israel if you're not Jewish? Well, we're grafted in. Yeah. We're not Jewish. We're not, we're not Jewish. natural Correct. branches. And, and, and the scriptures go on to say through the prophets that people would come out of the nations that are not Jewish and love the Jewish people and come to help them. So... Yeah. I, I think it's fascinating. And we've got just plenty of evidence of this. No doubt. And personal experiences, Ryan, as we move on. So uh, some some cool things. Um, you know, we talk about the deity of Yeshua here sometimes. We talk about all kinds of... In the same chapter that talks about um, Yeshua declaring himself as the Alpha and the Omega, um, right here in Revelation chapter 21, the second half of the chapter is actually describing the New Jerusalem. And uh, verses 19 through 21 talk about the stones and, the, you know, being for each tribe and the gates and all that. And, you know, I know that we talk about uh, the two houses here at, at Beit Tehillah, and we always refer to Ephraim, uh, you know, representing the, the house of Joseph as the firstborn. And uh, what I will say is this, that um, there are 12 gates for the 12 tribes of Israel in the New Jerusalem. And there's no doubt that everybody listening to this podcast desires and believes that they have a place within the New Jerusalem. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. So you don't have 12 gates with 12 denominations. No, no, it's 12 tribes. tribes. That's exactly right. And what's interesting about that is that uh, none of them is like the gate of the Gentiles or the gate of the nations or anything like that. And right. so what that leads me to believe is that Yeshua is going to return 
And he's going to give you your identity, and he's going to say, this is the gate you're going through. Cool. And you're going to be like, yes! Doesn't it talk about a stone? Absolutely. And you're not going to be... Right, it talks is about... Is that the, in there? Oh, absolutely. Here, I'll read it. I'll Names read it just real stone. quick. Yep, it says... Wow. And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper, the second uh, sapphire, and the third uh, chalcedony, the fourth an emerald, the fifth sardonyx, the sixth sardius, the seventh uh, chrysolite, the eighth barrel, the ninth topaz, the tenth uh, chrysoprasus, the eleventh uh, jacinth, and the twelfth amethyst. And the twelve gates were twelve pearls. Every uh, every several gate was of one pearl. And the street of the city was pure gold, and it was transparent glass. And what's interesting about that, too, is like when you read the opening uh, chapters of Ezekiel, which my, uh, my son and I have been reading Ezekiel. Um, his middle name is Ezekiel, so he wants to read Ezekiel, right? And uh, he's been drawing it, but you, you read it, and it talks about the throne of God having a clear or some sort of a glass-like foundation. Yes, Pastor Tiva says that's a dance floor. <laughs> Hey, you know, I think uh, Chris the Tomlin. Sea of glass. I think Chris Tomlin would agree with that as well. The sea of glass. God's great dance floor. Wow. But but it's cool because you know the the things from the end are declared in the beginning, right? And so we're reading about the temple service, and then we're reading about the very same things happening in the heavenlies and the new Jerusalem that's going to be coming down to earth. And so it, it's exciting stuff because the spiritual and the natural they mirror each other. And so when you think something is mundane or silly, you have to understand that maybe sometimes there's a, a physical thing that seems mundane to you, but it's not. It's holy because it's mirroring the spiritual. Um, yeah, I mean that makes a good point that he said to make this according to the pattern that was shown you. Absolutely. And in Revelation we talked about even in the past that you can find uh, these pieces of furniture in heaven. Absolutely. John wrote them down. So uh, it says, In what part of Aaron's body was he to bear the names of the children of Israel in the breastplate of judgment? On his heart. On his heart. Now we're going to get into some mysterious stuff here when it comes to making choices or having to make decisions. Uh, this is really cool. Uh, in Exodus chapter 28, verse 30, And thou shalt put in the breastplate of judgment the Urim and the Thummim, and they shall be upon Aaron's heart when he goeth in before the Lord. And Aaron shall bear the judgment of the children of Israel upon his heart before the Lord continually. So this little pocket held the Urim and the Thummim, and they would ask the Lord, and they would somehow light up or do something supernatural to actually render a decision. So here's some... St so, I did some research. Yes, you did. You ready? Oh, yeah. So the word or, you know, or... Light. Is light. Wow. Orim is just the plural of or. So Urim is lights. So the stone's going to light up. Exactly like right. Like a mood ring. Right. <laughs> you and your mood... What are you, from I'm the just 70s? Saying, you know, we... <laughs> well, I didn't have a pet rock. I'm just saying that... <laughs> Something supernatural happens. The stones they said lit up, right? They absolutely did. Wow. So, so, and then the thumim is perfection, right? So, there's this is a message, and I've heard all kinds of mystical ideas about you know this being a way of casting lots, uh, meaning that you reach in and you like toss a die or something like that. I'm I'm not so sure about all that because you've got the twelve stones, and somehow the twelve stones are lighting up. I don't understand how you go from the lights lighting up to understanding the message and what the decision is that's to be made. So that's I'm not getting into that piece of it because I think this is a mystery that has been left a mystery. Um, and our high priest in heaven, he understands it, he gets it, and that's what we need. That's good. That's what we need. And we have the Holy Spirit that speaks to us, right? 
So, but the Orman Thummim is definitely mysterious. I thought it was really cool when I found out that the Urim is light. It, um, you know, or being light, Orim being light, the plural version of the word, and then Thummim being uh, perfection. And so uh, Jeff Batchelder actually brought all that up last night in our group, so it's pretty cool. You know, that, that's incredible. And once again, going into the attire, uh, the robe of the ephod was blue, and the hem of the blue robe consisted of golden bells and pomegranates. So it's kind of interesting, you know. So you always, you always heard the priest when he was coming. Tied yeah, up. That's right. I hear the bells. That's right. Because he couldn't keep quiet unless he gathered them all together it, yeah. and you know, put them in his hand or something. But you, know, you would hear him coming. Here he comes, you know. I like that verse that talks about God walked with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day. Uh, and so the people were going to be able to hear Aaron when he ministered in the holy place. And, uh, of course, holiness to the Lord was written on the gold plate placed on the forehead of Aaron. So think about this whole outfit is about, really, it's about God wanting these requirements, wanting specific clothing for his, for his uh, children. Uh, and even for the high priest, he's like the commander in chief, like the president of the United States of America. He's the commander in chief. He's the head priest. The high priest is, and we know that Yeshua is a high priest as well. And of course, what is the what do the scriptures say? Even in Exodus, and even Peter quotes it that we are a nation of priests. So what do the priests have but the Torah, and they are to teach the Torah. So once again, holiness to the Lord was written on the gold plate uh, f- placed on the forehead of Aaron. So wow, right across his forehead, holiness to the Lord. And w- remember, we have this reference of the brazen forehead. Well, if you're holiness to the Lord, we don't have time to be stubborn. And so we have four things that were made for Aaron's sons to wear. We have four things, uh, coats, girdles, bonnets, and linen breeches. Check it out. Coats, girdles, bonnets, linen breaches. So here's something we can discuss, Ryan. Uh, here's a good question. If the priests had to wear special clothing, what should we wear for our public assemblies Ooh. in church? I mean, uh, so I could give you like some specifics, but I think that uh, that's probably not what we're going to do here. What oh, I, no, I'm just saying What that. I would say is that uh, first and foremost... Uh, it talks about that the priests and the Levites were clothed in the way that they were clothed so that they would not bear their flesh. So there's a, a part of this that shows modesty, right? That you cover uh, your That's flesh. True. That's true. Um, and so we, when we come to church, uh, there's many different cultures throughout the world, right? And so I don't want to give the impression that there's any right or wrong way to dress when you go to church. But if you live in America, shorts and flip-flops, probably not appropriate for going to church. And it's not about what it's what it says, you know, about the place that you're going, it's about what it says about you and your your readiness to be there, right? Your readiness right. to do the work of the Lord, your readiness to be prepared. Um and I'm not saying also that you have to wear your best suit and tie either, but I do believe that there needs to be some sort of a standard um of you know, a dressing nice to go to church. Yeah, because God's not casual. Right. Covering yourself in a modest way, right? So women, no cleavage, right? Men, no cleavage, the same, right? Um, you know, I button my button, not all the way to the toppy top button, but the one right below it, right? You know, it's just little things that you can do to, to be modest um, so that there's no distractions among the assembly. Um, but also, um, because you should you should be asking the Lord and the Holy Spirit, hey, God, is this what you want me to wear, right? Just like when you talk about giving, right? Is this what you want me to wear? Is this is this appropriate, Lord? Because if you let him make your decisions, you probably will never go wrong. That's good. That's yeah. good. 
You know, it's interesting as we're getting the description of this tabernacle and how to build it and all these really cool things. Uh, I'm going to have Ryan go ahead and interject and take over this part of the podcast in regards to in Exodus chapter 29. We have the dedication of Aaron and his sons. So once again, uh, proper uniforms, proper attire. And now we're going to get into protocol. And of course, the uh, you could actually say the inauguration of the priesthood to some degree. Absolutely. So uh, we're going to start in chapter 29, verses 1 through 9, and here it goes. It says, And this is the thing that thou shalt do unto them, to hallow them, to minister unto me in the priest's office. Take one young bullock and two rams without blemish, and unleavened bread and cakes unleavened tempered with oil, and wafers unleavened anointed with oil, of wheat and flour shalt thou make them. And thou shalt put them into one basket, and bring them into the in the basket with the bullock and the two rams. And Aaron and his sons thou shalt bring unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation, and shalt wash them with water. And thou shalt take the garments and put upon Aaron the coat uh, and the robe of the ephod, and the ephod and the te- uh, and the breastplate, and gird him with the curious girdle of the ephod. And thou shalt put the mitre upon his head, and put the holy crown upon the mitre. Then shalt thou take the anointing oil, and pour it upon his head, and anoint him. And thou shalt bring his sons, and put coats upon them, and thou shalt gird them with girdles, Aaron and his sons, and put the bonnets on them, and the priest's office shall be theirs for a perpetual statue, and thou shalt consecrate Aaron and his sons. Wow, this sounds like a lot to do, right? Um, And the first thing that they do that happens to Aaron and his sons is they wash them with water. So... You know, when you, before you go to church, you should probably take a shower. You know, make yourself clean. Make sure you That's don't smell great. from work for the week. Um, do do everyone else a favor, Amen. Um, but they also they anoint them. Um, you know, anoint them with oil, and they poured it over their heads. Um, and this was the anointing of God poured over them. Uh, and then, in order to, uh, I didn't read this, but getting into verse fourteen, in order for them to have a sin offering, they had to have their sins atoned for before they could go and minister before the throne of God. And so the first um, offering was of a bullock for Aaron and his sons, and a ram was offered up for Aaron and his sons for a burnt offering. Then a second ram was offered for Aaron and his sons for a consecration offering. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, you're our Leviticus expert, Pastor Nick. I love Leviticus. It's coming. There's five offerings in Leviticus listed for the people, but consecration is not one of them. No. It is not. And so this consecration offering is actually a special offering for the priesthood. That's just right. for the installation of priests and kings. Absolutely. So this is something to where you say, hey, you are now going to be set apart to God for this purpose. When you consecrate something, you're saying, hey, this is your purpose. We're going to consecrate you for this purpose. And this special consecration offering was uh, for this purpose. And to anoint something means to be set apart. Right. That's what it actually means. That's why, you know, I believe as we do our baby dedications, I do uh, anoint the, the, the babies or the children with oil. Because, you know, you can anoint your home. You can anoint yourselves. Uh, it's about setting apart. Absolutely. So Absolutely. And, um, and so uh, they also took uh, the blood of the second ram, which was the consecration offering. And they do anoint or they put the blood on three parts of their body. The tip of the right ear. The second ram mm-hmm. of consecration. That's right. It's a special offering. It wasn't the blood from the sacrifice of the sin offering. It's a consecration offering. Bingo. Wow. Yeah, there you go. Watch where you go. So it was the tip of the right ear uh, on the right thumb of the right hand, or on the thumb of the right hand, and on the big toe on the right foot. 
So, um, you know, you, you hear a lot of different things uh, about the symbolism, about the right ear, the right thumb, and the right uh, foot being, um, you know, having the blood applied to them. But ultimately, um, you know, any of these things, you're consecrating them and showing, you know, that they belong to God. So whose voice is the priest to listen to, Pastor Nick? The priests should listen to the voice of the Lord. The voice of the Lord. So they're taking the consecration offering, they're putting it on the right ear, so that they would listen first and foremost to the voice of God. Good point. The second thing is they put it on the right thumb. Now with our hands, we do work. We do whatever it is that we do. That's right. It involves our hands. It represents action. Right. So the actions that they take, their actions now belong to God. And so the actions they take should be the ones that God has ordained for them to do. Amen? And where are they to go, right? So now the right foot is you go where the Lord calls you to go, you do what the Lord calls you to do, and you listen to his voice. I like that. So once again, the mouth is not consecrated or anointed. Hmm. And I I shared last night a, a saying, actions speak louder than words. They do. You know, one of the uh, judgments in the book of Hosea that God put on a frame, the northern kingdom, it says, you will wander among the nations. Yeah. And that's what's happening with a lot of the northern kingdom today or a frame today or those coming out. They're still wandering from, you know, from congregation to congregation or place to place. That's right. Uh, <laughs> you know, they just can't find their little niche. So really their big toe is taking them to the wrong place. Yeah. Or or it's not or it's not consecrated. Because you want to be at the right place at the right time. So if Amen. you think about once again the ear and the hand and the foot, uh, it's pretty much self explanatory. Matter of fact, even in Romans, I love John Bevere, you know, people say things, you remember it, but it actually says in there and, and Paul says in his letter to the Romans, uh, basically he says um, he says he puts the members where he wants. Yeah. So what are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying God will show you where to go to church or who to join up. Yeah. But sometimes there's just a real small group of people. Those of you that are listening, even in Norway, you're just a small group. But that's okay. We understand that. But always want to associate or be with others. You know, and it's not to compromise. But I'm saying that to share your faith with others is so important. And, well, and you know that, that's just a, a plus, right? And there. ideology is one thing, but you know we're called to do the Torah, and that means loving on other people, right? And so it's part of it. It's not always telling them, "Hey, you're supposed to do this. You're supposed to do that." A lot of times, it's just showing the love of God and serving people and loving them. You know, you mentioned the mouth, and um, you know, uh, it reminds me of Isaiah chapter six, where Isaiah is called, and he's before the throne of God, and he says, "Woe is me." He says, "Before I am a man of unclean lips and of a people." of unclean lips, right? And what does the angel do? He picks the coal and places it on his lips <laughs> and then basically says that, you know, hey, you know, what you're going to, what God tells you to say, that's what you're going to say. And so just like what you hear, what you do, and where you go for the priest, right. it's the same idea for the prophet. What does he do to Jeremiah? He makes him eat it, right? Makes him eat the scroll. Or no, Ezekiel, I'm sorry. He makes Ezekiel eat the scroll. Right. And so there's these things that, you know, they... You, you, the God does them, and he does them to make an object lesson so that the people will understand exactly that, hey, you were consecrated for this purpose. You know, it's interesting that when, when I got anointed, consecrated, or whatever you want to call it, um, back in April of 2002, um, they actually, uh, you know, um, took my wife and I, and they anointed our right ear, they anointed my right thumb and my right big toe and my wife as well. And um, that happened in April of 2002. 
So we were consecrated and set apart to do the work. And I thank God for that because here it is, 17 years later, we're able to do that. So you guys sacrificed the lamb out back and took the blood? I'm trying to think, what's the word that you use when you want to... Ordination. Yeah, 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 exactly right. An ordination, yeah. That was uh, a joke, by the way, because he didn't respond to my joke. I'm sorry. What, what? Well, I, I, said, I, just, I said something about sacrificing a lamb out back to... Oh, no, for, no, we yeah. don't do that. No, we no. do have barbecues, though. But <laughs> the thing is, Ryan, you know, um, looking at the principles, you know, God loves it when we learn the principles. Amen. And you, you don't debate principles. Because they're 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 principles, you right. know, and so that's what's really cool about this. So so Amen. why don't you keep on moving on down here, Ryan? And, and so how many it. how many days were needed to consecrate Aaron and his sons? Seven. That's right. Lucky. So seven means completion. It does right. There's Snow White yeah. and the seven dwarfs. Yeah. So for seven s- days a week, for seven days they offered offerings and they worship God. Uh, to consecrate Aaron and his sons before the Lord. And so verse 29, uh, chapter 29, verse 36 says, And thou shalt offer every day a bullock for a sin offering for atonement. And thou shalt cleanse the altar when thou hast made an atonement for it, and thou shalt anoint it to sanctify it. And so, you know, praise God that God has given away, um, you know, to, to come to him and to, to, you know, atone for sin. Amen? That's good. Amen. Obviously, we know that today we have Yeshua. Amen. Our sacrifice once and for all. Right. And so that's, that's a, good. a good thing. But it is here that God is giving the pattern. So just like the pattern of the tabernacle was first made out of, you know, ram skins and, and fabric, and then later on, it, you know, in Shiloh, and then in the temple, uh, it was made out of stones. It is all still on the same pattern. And so God gives the pattern. What is it you said? He gives the principle, and you can't debate the principle. No, you can't debate the principle. You can't debate the pattern. You're learning about your father. That's right. You know, that's what I love about the the pattern that was given to Moses. Um, You know, when you look at the book of Revelation, you're going to find these pieces of furniture uh, up there uh, in in heaven. So very interesting. So go ahead and finish out. um, Chapter 29. Yeah, Exodus chapter 29. Go ahead and finish out those, those last three thoughts there, and then I'll... I'll jump into the altar of incense, uh, which is the next piece mm, of furniture. I see what you're doing there. You want to get on the altar of incense. I see it. No, that's no, cool. It's cool. So it says, Seven days thou shalt make an atonement for the altar and sanctify it, and it shall be uh, an altar most holy. Whatsoever toucheth the altar shall be holy. Now the question here is, is it touching the altar that makes something holy, or does something need to be holy prior to touching the altar? I believe the altar's holy. Uh, it's obviously holy. It says it's holy. But so the question is, does it make things that touch it holy by by the fact that it's being touched by that person or thing? Or does the thing that comes and gets placed on the altar need to be holy? And that's the point, right? In order to maintain this holiness. Right. And we have examples in the Bible of people grabbing the horns of the altar. And then getting uh, pulled right back out because yeah, they were guilty. Joab, you know, <laughs> the, the nephew of King David, he didn't make it. Sucker. He was, uh, King David knew about his little shenanigans. That's right. And what he had done and those different things. And so he was actually taken off the altar and executed. Uh, of course, one of uh, Solomon's brothers actually grabbed the horns of the altar and, and, and Solomon gave him mercy and said, okay, I'm going to let this one go. I'm going to give you grace and mercy. Yeah. Uh, then he he messed up. Ooh. And uh, so he took him out. Well, I hey. don't get into all that. But it, yeah, but it's just something to think about. So go ahead and finish up there, Ryan. And we'll... Yep. And so there was uh, every morning and every evening, a lamb was to be offered um, as a sacrifice. Um, and this is, this is pretty cool, right? Every morning and every evening. That's um, good. It is. One in the morning and one in the evening. That's right. Two lambs. 
And then in verse 43 of 29, um, closing out uh, chapter uh, 40, or chapter 29, it says, And there I will meet with the children of Israel, and the tabernacle shall be sanctified by my glory. Hallelujah. You know, and, and just keep this in mind as you study the tabernacle of Moses, you know, God's not restoring that back to us. He, he wants us to know the principles, but we don't have time to get into it. But you'll find even in Amos and even in the book of Acts that God is actually restoring the fallen booth of David. And what that simply is, is there's no curtains. There's no outer court, inner court, holy of holies. There's just simply the ark and you surround it and worship him. Uh, so very interesting. So everyone would have access, which is kind of cool, because when the temple veil was torn from the top to the bottom, uh, God was trying to get out. It wasn't that we could come in. And I just love that part of an indwelling and breaking God. And there is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. That is good. Amen. Uh, so this fifth piece of furniture that the Lord gave instructions to build was the altar of incense. So we've already built the Ark of the Covenant. We've built the table of showbread, uh, the menorah. Uh, the altar of burnt offering, which is in the outer court. Now we are at the incense altar, which is, of course, uh, number five in the furniture order. And, of course, the altar of incense. It's made of sheatim wood, had four horns, a crown all the way around it, and overlaid with pure gold. It had stays so it could be carried, uh, located before the veil that is the Ark of the Testimony. Uh, and, of course, the altar was to burn incense in the morning and evening perpetually, uh, Exodus 30, verses 7 and 8. And of course, the four things that were forbidden to place on the altar of incense was no strange incense, no burnt sacrifice, no meat offering, and no drink offering. And of course, uh, the question is, what was to be put upon the horns of the altar of incense once a year? Uh, the blood of the sin offering of atonement, Amen. Uh, the day of atonement. So the altar of incense is actually called even the golden altar. And I'm going to check something out here with you uh, as we look at this particular piece of furniture. Very interesting. And just remember that the the altar of incense had to get its fire from the from the of course the uh, the the I would say the altar of burnt offering. Uh, you would take the fire and a fire pan from. Uh, you would actually take that and bring that to the altar of incense, and, and that's where you would get your fire. So when you see Nadab, Nadab and Abihu uh, offer up strange fire, what were they doing? They didn't get the fire from the altar. So everything's really kind of like self-explanatory, and it even talks about not to have strong drink or whatever, so perhaps they had a little too much to drink. They weren't performing their duties in a correct way, and it's not a good idea to have uh, like wine or beer before the service. Um, and that's just a principle. So here we have the principle, you know. So once again, uh, just something to think about because we're at the altar of, of incense. Um, and of course, we know that this is uh, right before the Holy of Holies, before the throne of God, is the altar of incense. Uh, as we look in Revelation chapter 8, I want to read verses 1 through 5 just to show you how powerful the altar of incense is. And it actually says there was silence in heaven is the title here. And when he had opened the seventh seal... Once again, the seventh seal, completion, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar, having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense, that he should offer it with the prayers of all saints upon the golden altar which was before the Lord." So once again, this is in Revelation. This is in heaven. There is an altar of incense, a golden altar in heaven. 
Revelation 8, 4. And the smoke of the incense, which came with the prayers of the saints, ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. Wow, this is a meteorologist's dream here. Look at this, this weather pattern that's happening. I want to bring to your attention uh, this teaching that I've done for a number of years. You can, you can look it up on our YouTube channel, Where Are You in the Tabernacle? I've broken it up into Outer Court, Inner Court, and Holy of Holies. And I just want to go over this in closing here uh, because remember, in the inner court, we have the Holy of Holies and God sits on the throne. He's actually looking down into the inner court. I want you all to understand this. You need to understand this because once you understand this, you are going to be like, wow, that makes sense. So in the inner court, the menorah represents the Holy Spirit, the giving of light. And so there it is. There's the Holy Spirit being filled with the Holy Spirit, having a right spirit. And what is this Holy Spirit going to do? Convict the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. That is so important. A familiar spirit will not convict you, okay? But the Holy Spirit will. And remember, there's only one Holy Spirit, but thousands of other spirits. So with that, this, this menorah is shining in the inner court. And of course, we know that to the right of the menorah is the table of showbread. Uh, it has two edges around it, which is very interesting. So you get past one edge, there's another edge. Uh, there's a border, two borders around it, two, two railings, you know. Uh, and so uh, it, it actually is a hand breadth between the two. That's what it says. Now, the 12 loaves are on this table. It represents the 12 tribes. It represents Shabbat because those, those tribes are on the table as each piece of bread is signifying. And then, of course, the, the bread is changed out every Shabbat. So there's your Shabbat. So you have the Holy Spirit. You have the Shabbat. This is like a, I'd call it the Shabbat table. And it's a table of fellowship. It's got the 12 loaves. And so once again, to conclude, you have the altar of incense. So what's happening is we got to get rid of all these other spirits and come to the table. And then we, of course, celebrate Shabbat. And from there, we'll know how to pray. We'll know how to pray and what to pray for. That's the altar of incense. So if you're in church and you're wondering what's going on here, a bunch of swirling different spirits, nobody comes to the table, and we're not praying for the right things, that's not a successful church. So what are you saying, Pastor Nick? I'm saying this through experience, that we have prayer every Monday from 10 to 12. I guess we had a little over 20 people that we were praying and praying to things that God would have us to pray for his, you know, matter of fact, the Our Father is a model prayer to, in how to pray. And so I'm only encouraging you, those that are listening, just pray that, that God would give you a right spirit. You know, that's what David cried out when he messed up with Bathsheba, you know, in, 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 the, in the Psalms, you know, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. In the Hebrew, it means a constant spirit. Amen. So we'll have the Holy Spirit, and then we'll go AWOL or go in the flesh or whatever we'll do, and that's not what God wants. So David was actually crying out, give me a constant spirit. I shouldn't have looked at Bathsheba and did what I did because that actually led to adultery and then murder, and then the first child died. That's right. Which is like a picture of all of our decisions that we made. They're Ugh. like death. Yuck. You know, we chose death because we didn't know. Right. But we're supposed to choose life and blessings. And and I hope this is making sense to a lot of you because, like I said, this has been given to me. Like Peter had a sheet come down. This is the same thing for me. I, I see it clearly what we're up against, and it's not easy. But to have a right spirit and come to the table is the coolest thing, you know. And and then from there we know how to pray. Uh, that's why we pr are praying for the reconciliation 
of, of Jews and Gentiles. Amen. We're part of that process. I can't say it enough. It's the right thing to do. Yes. And uh, there's proof in the pudding. And we, we know it. We've experienced it. And so that's what God is showing us to do. And it's very unselfish when you have the Holy Spirit and you come to the table with others and you pray for the right things. It's very unselfish. There's no, you can't be selfish. Why? Because you're putting God first and you're thinking of others. So as you're in that inner court and God is looking down, you're not trying to get into the Holy of Holies because the Bible, it already says that we boldly come to the throne of grace. Amen. So I want to share this thought with you in closing because we all want to arrive. We want to please the Father. And as he's looking down the inner court, I want him to be pleased. And so I'm really working on me more than anything. Uh, I don't lay in bed thinking about the other sheep, that's for sure. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm laying in bed thinking about me. How can I be better? So that's uh, that's my, my last thought, Ryan. And of course, if you want to share uh, what, what you actually got out of this, what, what, a, what lesson can be learned that you can share with everyone about Tetzave? Uh, that you actually got from your group yesterday, or personally, you see that the, this is the lesson to be learned. Absolutely. So, um, you know, one of the things that I, I see throughout this Torah portion is obviously that they're clothing the high priest. And one of the things that it reminded me of is when I read in uh, Galatians chapter 3, it starts in, uh, in verse 26, it says, "...for ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus." For as many of you have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither is there bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, then then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. And so I read these verses, and I see that as, as the high priest is putting on his garments, we are to put on Christ. Our righteousness, right? When it talks in Revelation, it says that they're clothed in white, which is the righteousness of saints, right? Our Yeshua is our righteousness. So we put him on, and it is only because of him. It talks about boldly entering the throne room of, of, of grace, right? Um, but, you know, um, uh, Timothy Colbo last night, Pastor Tikva's husband, um, he's able to finish that verse. What is to obtain mercy and the grace in time of need, right? So when you finish that verse, hey, to boldly into the throne room, of, uh, it's not just to uh, go in there and be like, hey, I want this, I want that, right? We put on Christ, and then we humbly go before the Lord as Yeshua's example shows us. Um, and, and, and for what? To obtain mercy, right, and grace in time of need. So I thought all that was pretty cool. And then that goes right along with my second point, which was about the ear, the thumb, and the toe. That uh, what are you listening to? Are you hearing God's voice? Are you keeping his covenant, right? What are you doing? Where are you going? You, know, you really need to think about uh, what you listen to, what you watch, what you take in, what you do, right? For whatever, whether it's work or play or whatever it is, what are you doing? You know, especially what are you doing for the kingdom and where are you going? You you need to think about it because you are holy, right? Don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, right? You need to remember that, that God goes with you everywhere you go because you are his son or his daughter. And with that being in mind, you only want to be going to places for his purposes and so on and so forth. And I think I, you guys get what you I mean know, by the, that. The one thing I would just like to say is, you know, it, and this is what really stood out to me. We serve a, we serve a God of order. Amen. You know, and uh, what is order? It's the accurate arrangement of things. You know, one of the things that I've learned is I always put my keys in the same spot every time. Yeah. Until I go back to find them, and the small child decides there's another place for my keys. Retro. 
Whoa, whoa. <laughs> so, so once again, we serve a God of order. Order is the accurate arrangement of things. And by the way, it even says in Revelation, there's so many cool things in Revelation. It's not a scary book because if you know the Messiah, it's a good book. It's, it's excellent. But in Revelation, it actually says, and I don't know the, the address, come out of her, my people. Yeah. So what are we coming out of? But see, it, you're seeing a lot of confusion. You know, I've never seen more of a Babylonian spirit in the earth today than now. Oh, yeah. And with confusion, there's no unity. You can't get anything done. And some of you are observing this in our culture. Uh, even in Trump's administration, there there is some confusion. Oh yeah, you know, with his administration and staff members, he's had more turnover than you know Anybody, than a pancake. Yeah. But I'm saying that <laughs> you like that. I do. But what I'm saying is that even among the Democrats right now, you know, there's the moderates, and then there's the far left, and, and that's you know the Progressive Party they want to call it to yeah. some degree. But I'm saying that there's a lot of confusion. And so we can see this, uh, even in sports, among uh, NBA players, NFL players, you know, there's, there's a rift between the coach and the player or something, you know, and not calling any particular team out or player out, but, you know, one, one team member can ruin it for everybody oh, yeah. and, and just bring a, you know, like throw a wet blanket, you know, on you. But once again, I just want to say that we are the city of Yerushalayim. People are likened to a city, city likened to a people. You are Jerusalem, a city of peace. Amen. Even with all my children and being at the house, you know, we call it organized chaos, but we do still have peace in my home Amen. because I demand it. I want it. And there's no excuse for it, you know, and people would say, well, how, how do you have peace in your home? We establish it. You know, somebody might carry on or something will happen, but we want to bring peace back into our home. So that's what I really see. We serve a God of order. And, uh, and so that's important. Ron, I'll let you close it out. Amen. Amen. Wow. So like I mentioned at the beginning uh, today, don't forget to get your tickets on eventbrite.com for Esther the Musical. Um, we, uh, we are very excited about the, the Feast of Purim coming up and uh, our ability to uh, go alongside uh, our brothers and sisters of the Jewish people and support them in, uh, in calling out anti-Semitism uh, where we see it and casting it down. Um, it, you know, it seems that today uh, there's more anti-Semitism than ever. And so it's, uh, it's our, our pleasure and our honor um, to walk alongside, um, you know, our brothers and sisters, the Jewish people, and, uh, and present, you know, this message to, to the folks around here in our community. And so it is a sold-out show on Sunday, and we are still selling tickets for the Thursday show, which is uh, March 12th at 7 p.m. So go to eventbrite.com, look up Esther the Musical, and get your tickets there. Um, also, if you want to reach out to me, uh, you can email me at Ryan, R-Y-A-N, at twopraise.net, Ryan at twopraise.net. And uh, if you need anything uh, from the office here, you can call at 813-654-2222. And last but not least, don't forget to live stream. Uh, if you are not here in our local community, uh, you can live stream on Facebook or YouTube or uh, any of the social media platforms, or you can go to twopraise.net and you can live stream there. Uh, you can also donate uh, there as well. So God bless you guys. Have a great week.